yes. Bless, bless, bless the Lord. Somebody jump to your feet and what we used to call them popcorn testimonies. In other words, you don't take the whole service. You just tell what happened to you. Praise God. Who's got a testimony today? I know God's been doing it. What do you got, Ron? Come up here. Phyllis, you got a microphone? And the VA paid every last bit of that. Amen. Well, praise I don't God. Nobody anything. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise says, God. Oh, no man, nothing. That's right. <laughs> praise God. Somebody, somebody give me a testimony of prodigal son. Anybody got a prodigal son's come home? Well, Friday, I went to work, and it was all nothing but ice. I rambunctious, jumped out of the truck, feet went right out from underneath me. I fell down, and I hit right here the back of my, in my neck on the running board, and I thought, oh, my Lord, did I break my neck? Lord, and I turned my head. I got up. I said, "No, I'm I'm fine." But I give God all the honor, the glory, and the praise Man, because He always is faithful, and He has always looked out for me. Yes. Praise His holy, holy name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. That's a good testimony. Must be a girl moment. <laughs> All right. Uh, right back here, Phyllis. Where? Oh. Sarah, didn't you have something? Okay. Um, we saved $2,500 on our airline tickets to Arizona. They, I kid you not, $2,500 we were paying for a miracle for a direct flight. Wow, $2,500. Wow. Hallelujah. Now you want to go shopping. Yeah, Phyllis. Get away from them people. You got to aggravate Frank. Hallelujah. Who That's else our, got a financial testimony? Somebody's got well, one. Well, she's got a testimony. That's okay. Um, early this week, um, I work with a girl who is an acquaintance of someone. I'm trying to figure out how to say this quickly. Um, she has three sons, the youngest. Um, had attempted suicide three times. Um, Monday was the third time. Um, the ambulance took him to a hospital in the same town that I work, and I asked um, this girl that I work with, I said, well, his mother let me come. Like, I could not just not. I said, well, his mother let me come and talk to him, and she let me. God opened that door. So I took an early lunch. I went to the hospital, the emergency room, I shared Jesus with him. He gave his life to Jesus. And, and the beautiful thing is, is um, <coughs> there's a church in their hometown, and God's really um, just blowing the doors off this church. And this pastor 
who is also an acquaintance with the girl that I work with, went and just solidified everything God did. And so now there's a connection between this pastor, the church, and this family. And so God just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, God opened the door for me to be able to get into that hospital, but it was just amazing. Praise Amen. God. That is a great testimony. Hallelujah. Somebody else. As you know, Karen had a uh, surgery on her foot, and uh, the hospital bill was, of course, uh, enormous. But we received a letter the uh, day before yesterday that said we are eligible for a huge discount in our payer. Wow, praise God. That is God. Wonderful. wonderful. Hallelujah. Well, what, Phyllis, what Phyllis, right over here with If he starts whispering in your ear, I'm coming down there. All right. <clears throat> well, about a week or so ago, I found myself in crisis. Um, I didn't know what to do or where to turn, and I prayed tearfully to God, not only asking for forgiveness, but singing his praises. But in the end, I asked him to put someone in my path to let me know I was going to be okay. The very next day, I wasn't much better, but I walked up to a total stranger, and I asked him if he believed in God. And he smiled and said, of course I do. And then he pulled a Bible out of his coat, and he had scriptures already marked and read them to me, and it washed over me. And to this day, though struggles may be ahead, I know I'm going to be okay. Amen. Wow. Praise God. Hallelujah. I love good testimonies. Praise the Lord. I do too. Hallelujah. Lifts up your faith. Because if they'll do it for them, God will do it for us. So two weeks ago Wednesday, myself and Victor were at this roadside, and we were retrieving some wood. And, of course, I did a dumb thing. I dropped a 200-pound log on my hand. It immediately, <coughs> forgive me. And it immediately swelled up. And it was about just the size of like half a golf ball cut and, you know, sitting on top of my hand. It looked like it was going to explode. It was purple and red. And I took off my glove and I looked at Victor and I said, Victor, watch this. We're going to work this miracle. And I said, in the name of Jesus, swelling go down and be healed. And I said, no pain, no damage of any kind. And I put my glove on and we finished our work and we went home. And when I took my glove off at the house, it was gone. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, Phyllis, come on. We'll work your way back up here. Well, we got one more. Um, I had, this is about babies, and I'm a grandma, so I'll probably act stupid right now, but. Uh, a couple months ago, my daughter, uh, she had a baby, and let's see, the umbilical cord, she only had two vessels instead of three, so the doctor was kind of watching her, and she went to the doctor on Tuesday, and she went on Wednesday, and I think he was a little peeved at her, because he's like, you're fine. She happened to have an ultrasound on Friday, the baby's cord was running out of juice, the baby's cord was dropping, but he was delivered, right, the emergency C-section, and then... And he's gorgeous. And that was God's grace. He just happened to have an ultrasound that day when he, 
and then I just had another grandbaby last week and kind of in that vein, I mean, the doctor was watching her like, something's not right with you. <laughs> and and uh, so and I had another daughter have a baby by emergency C-section last week and she's beautiful. He's so good. He's so good. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Babies, babies, babies. We got another one. Is that okay? Sure. What do you expect me to say? <laughs> Hi, my name is Tammy. I'm new here. But last week I was, I had foster animals, and one of my own animals that I don't foster was really sick. And I couldn't afford the bill because of my own medical bills. So my husband and I prayed in this group that only does fostering that I work for paid the $185 for my cat to get medicine, the right food, and now he's not sick. He's only four years old. I've been taking care of him since his mother passed when he was born. And that to me is a testimony because it was less than 10 hours and I asked for help and God answered. Amen. Yes, he will. God. He will. Hallelujah. He will. Hallelujah. I got a testimony. Phyllis is finally headed back where she belongs. <laughs> <clears throat> Hallelujah. Praise God. God is a good God. All the time, the devil don't have a chance. Hallelujah. Well, let's turn our Bibles to Ecclesiastes 4.12. We are talking about a three-cord woven together, how it's not easily broken. Ecclesiastes 4.12, And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a three-woven cord is not easily or quickly broken. Now, we took this and we have unveiled it and then rewoven it together to talk about the three essentials of Christian faith and Christian life. These are three elements that work together that are to be woven into our lives. And they are, number one, prayer. Number two, Fasting and number three, the word. And these all complement and depend upon each other. Now, we as believers have the right and the responsibility. You know, nobody is a security to your salvation except your connection with Jesus. And when it says your connection, that means. I can't work you to heaven. I can't keep you saved. I can't keep you right. I can't keep you faithful. I can't do much except preach the word. What you do with it determines where you end up in eternity. You know, people blame everything and everybody for something. But our salvation is that we are to work it out. It is a personal molding 
a personal examination, a personal extraction of things, and a personal addition of things. We work it out with fear and trembling. And so we work it out to obtain an eternal life. Now, if any time your salvation becomes unvaluable, unimportant to you, you will find it turning cold and you backsliding. Now, that's nobody's fault but mine. Right. No, it's nobody's fault but yours. And in my life, mine. And so we have to, as believers, take responsibility. Amen? If you go to hell, you go because you neglected to do what it takes you to get out of it. And if you choose to go to heaven, nobody can get there, get you there except you choosing what needs to happen in your life. So that when these three chords, these three principles that are woven into our life as lifestyles, what they do is they bind us to the reality of Christ and to the activity, action, responsibility, participation in the kingdom of God. And so we have to do these things ourselves. If, if nobody can pray for you, you need to pray for yourself. Amen? All right. So whenever or without these three things being in our lives every day, these are necessities, just like breathing is a necessity, moving is a necessity, eating is a necessity. When these things are in our life, if they don't drift away, we will grow. But if they do drift away, one day we will fade in to the past memories of other Christians. Unbelievers do not have the means or the ability to stay connected to God without Christ. You have an advantage over unbelievers. But every unbeliever needs to hear about the gospel of Christ. Amen? All right. So, when we interweave these things into our life, it will help us believe and keep Christ open to our life and us open to him. So let's pray a prayer that I think that everybody needs to pray. It's found in Ephesians, the first chapter, and verse 17 or 18. And it's something that Paul prayed for other people. Now remember what prayer does. Prayer does something that the Word of God won't. The prayer that Paul prays for the church apprehends grace. It apprehends God's ability for something to happen in our lives that preaching evidently wouldn't do. And so Paul prays this prayer, and it says, I pray that the, in verse 17, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 
the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in you, a saint. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, <coughs> not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, we want the eyes of our understanding opened so that we don't just look at the Bible as a surface book. It's not just a catalog of promises. It is God himself. And as we fellowship, give ourselves to the Scriptures, spend time with the Bible, we are spending time with God himself. So I want to talk to you today, maybe next week also, about fasting. Oh, my word, you mean doing what? I'm not talking about intermediate fasting for you to lose weight. I'm talking about you sustaining abstaining from food, sometimes water, and pleasures for spiritual purposes. This is a voluntary withdrawal from the affairs of life that minister to this tabernacle so that we can become stronger, more rooted, and more fortified in the things of the kingdom of God. Now, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 7, 1 down through 3, that we as Christians are not to defraud our spouses. In other words, nobody should lie about having a headache when it's time to go to bed together. Nobody should defraud their spouse of sexual fulfillment unless it is for the cause of fasting. Least the devil would get an advantage over your spouse. You don't want to do that. In other words, you are a primary protector of your spouse and what controls him or her even in their thought life. The second thing we discover is that in Esther, Esther is called by Mordecai and says, Esther, the whole Jewish nation is going to be annihilated. There is a man named Haman that has come up with a plan. Of course, we know Haman represents the devil, but he comes up with a plan, and he really deceives and twists the king, and the king makes a decree that every Jew is going to be annihilated. Well, Haman did not know that God had snuck a little slave girl in called Esther. 
Mordecai calls to Esther and says, Esther, this is what's going to happen to your nation. If you don't do something, raise your voice, then the nation of Israel is going to die. So Esther turns and she proclaims a fast. And she says this, don't let anyone in Israel eat or drink for three days. Now, that is the longest time that anybody in the Bible goes without drinking water, is three days. And so, we don't want to jeopardize our health. We want to stay within the confines of what God calls normal. Amen? And so, we have that we need to abstain from pleasure. And in that pleasure, that includes hunting, fishing, golfing, all that kind of stuff. If you're going to set it apart to do something spiritual, then don't try to water it down by staying involved in doing what you want. Amen. Make it a value. Make it have an impact on your life. So fasting means that we separate ourselves from these things so that we can spend time, intimate time, with God. Now, when we talk about fasting, fasting is unless it is proclaimed by a leader like Esther or maybe like uh, Jehoshaphat, whatever it is, or a king that would proclaim a fast for a nation, every fast is to be voluntary. In other words, it must come from your heart. Now, when it comes from your heart, you have the right to monitor, to guide, to set boundaries to your faith. Like there are people that uh, are fighting health issues, and what you don't want to do is if it says, don't take medication without food or something on your stomach, doesn't mean you put 15 pounds of French fries in that stomach. It means you put enough to accommodate your need not to be sick from the medication. Amen? And if you're going to do it, you could do it from 8 in the morning till 3 o'clock at night, which is a typical Jewish fast. So you could go from... 3 o'clock in the afternoon, clear around to 3 o'clock the next day, and you could declare, I'm not going to eat anything, but I'm going to drink water and I'm going to drink coffee. That's your boundaries. I'm not to judge you by the boundaries that you're setting. You're working out your own personal salvation. Amen? So there are things that you have to determine. Do I have the diligence to do this, or do I not have the diligence? Maybe I can skip breakfast and just have a half a sandwich for lunch. And then as soon as I'm done for lunch, I can have the other half for a snack. That was a joke. Anyway, so maybe you'll just eat one meal a day. Whatever it is, don't condemn yourself. Set it up within the boundaries that are practical for you, your diligence, and your persistence to finish things. Amen? 
Well, what happens if I don't finish the fast? There's a thing called repentance. And you repent, you turn from it, and you try it again. You try it again and again. The Bible says that we as Christians are supposed to forgive our brothers if they sin against us. Every, we are supposed to forgive them seven times 70. That's every two and a half minutes of a 16-hour day. That means you are filled with the potential to do iniquity. That means that you have the potential to sin against man and against God every two and a half minutes. The only way to escape it is go to sleep. Now, you think that, oh man, that's just astronomical. No, that's the boundless grace of God. We don't do it on purpose, but when we find ourselves falling short, we also don't let our shortcomings stop us from our desire to achieve with God. Amen? All right. So God knows that you're going to mistake, make mistakes, and he provided repentance for every believer. And so if you make a mistake, don't just throw up your hand and say, well, I just can't do it. No. You pick yourself up and you do it again. Instead of going for four hours, you go for three. Whatever you have to do to start. And as you get started, you will see that God will do something on your life. Amen? So we want to make sure that we follow guidelines of wisdom, guidelines of counsel, because Phyllis and I are aware of people that have died on a fast. That is not a reason for you not to fast. They did it totally out of the boundaries of Scripture. But people do do those things. So, you know, we uh, many things about God gets a bad name just because somebody was foolish. Amen? Now, the Word of God is filled with different ways to use our faith. Different ways to use our faith. If you wanted to move a mountain, you wouldn't sow a financial seed. What would you do? Jesus said you would say to the mountain. Now, that's how you move mountains. You speak to them. You believe that what you say came to pass, and it will come to pass. And then when it comes to the area of, well, you know, I want to an increase in finances, or I need a financial breakthrough, or uh, whatever it might be. That's where the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 9.10, that you take the seed that God puts into your hand and you sow that seed. And then God multiplies that seed so that you having all sufficiency to all things will be able to abound unto the work of God. See, there is a way to increase your finances. You don't have to have a better job. You don't have to beg for a raise. You don't have to sell things. What you need to do is be a sower. Listen, limitation and poverty are not a part of God's plan for your life. 
But if you don't do what the Bible says, then you realize that God's plan will never come to pass. Now, I've said this a thousand times, maybe a million times. If you don't sow, it will not be multiplied. Start sowing seeds if you want to be beyond where you are today. If you don't, if you're happy where you are, where you are, then don't sow the seed. Eat it. I have a little book that I wrote, Don't Eat Your Leaves. And you need to get that, and it will teach you about the principles of giving and receiving. Now, if you want more finances, want a greater harvest, you want, want your cows to start having twins, if you want your chickens to start laying three eggs instead of one egg a day. Now, see, I preach this in third world country because they don't need a Cadillac. They don't need a three-piece suit. They need their goats to get busy and start having babies. That's what they need. But if you will start doing it, you will see God bring increase. You know, we have a goat farm in a, a, that we're a part of in Kenya. It has become the goat farm example of Kenya. They send people out from the university to look at the goat farm. We started it as a seed, but now the goats are producing, and now we're taking these goat herds, giving them a male and a female, telling them don't eat it for supper, and they're beginning to create their own goat herds so that they can begin to prosper in their nation. And there have been times where we've had crusades and we've started 100 new businesses in the area. See, you start seeding people. They will start multiplying. So we see that there are different ways of using our faith. We could use our faith through a confession of faith. By his stripes I've been healed, 1 Peter 2.24. If you're sick, no matter how long you've been sick, no matter how long you've been on medication, you can still take the word of God Put it in your mouth, and you can begin to say, by his stripes I have been healed. You can say Psalms 107.20, God sent his word. I put it in my mouth, and it brings healing to my body and deliverance to all of my problems. Now, you can do that no matter how long you've been sick. Amen? There is not a time where you start it, you don't start it. You start it right where you're at. No matter what the report is and no matter what your body's saying, start saying what God said. That's one way. Another way is if you're sick, call for the elders of the church. This is one act of faith, is that they anoint you with oil. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord himself, shall descend from heaven, and he will raise you up. And if you've committed any sins, he will forgive them. Now, so we see that there are different ways of using your faith. Well, you wouldn't use one way. You wouldn't lay hands on your cornfield. You might speak to your cornfield, 
but you wouldn't go out and lay hands on every ear and ask God to increase it. But you could speak to it and release increase. Amen? But then when it comes to fasting, this is a pre-designed act of faith that does certain things. Now, you can't really use fasting in a sense that we would say for increase. You might say, well, why not? Because you've been given seed. And that's the way of the kingdom. Could have given an amen. Good, hallelujah. So, we're going to look at Isaiah, the 58th chapter. I remember when uh, 25 years ago when God called me to uh, step into the miraculous. I used to, when I first got saved, I fasted every other day. And that's when Phyllis and I were first married and she couldn't cook. It wasn't any real stretch of faith to do so. And, uh, but... I, uh, I fasted every other day, and, uh, but I got away from that, and then later, God spoke to me, and I began to study the life of Jesus about fasting, and I would see miracles every once in a while and so forth, but really, to see 100% miracles, I never saw that, and so I started fasting and praying. For 18 months, many of you remember when I went on that journey to discover God and in a way I had never known him before. And for 18 months, I joined my prayer partner at that time, Calvin Schneider. Calvin would meet me every morning, 530 and we would pray, and uh, we would go up to like 7.30, 8 o'clock, then he would leave for work, and I would continue to 11 o'clock. Then when I came out of my office, I had a 9 by 12 little room that I walked and prayed in. I would come out of that room, spend an hour or so with my staff, then I would go home. Say, well, you go home so early? Yeah, you get up 5 o'clock in the morning and have to fix your own coffee and all that kind of stuff, then come in. It's, it's tiring, praise God. And uh, anyway, I did that for 18 months. I didn't know how long I was going to have to do it because success is what I was after. And success is not what I had. And I did that. I lost about 45 pounds. Phyllis told me I look like an Ethiopian, whatever that means. And uh, anyway, my pants were falling off and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I didn't have a six-pack. I just had a rib pack. And anyway, after these 18 months, I turned to walk out of my office, and Jesus came walking through the wall. He came through my bookshelves. And he came and he said, I'm here to position you in the realm 
of miracles. Now you might say, well, you know, God doesn't do that. God, well, this is not your story. And you haven't seen almost 5 million people come to Jesus Christ. You haven't seen three people verified, raised from the dead. You haven't seen untold demons come out of people. We've had so many blind eyes, you couldn't count them on everybody's toes in here. Cripples, disease, tumors as big as ba uh, basketballs. I, I can't even tell you everything that I've seen. But Eric used to travel with a great man of God, worked with, uh, you know, Benny Hinn and so forth. He one day told me, he said, I've never seen so many miracles in my life. He said, I'm telling you, wherever we go, they happen. And they do. Absolutely, they happen. And, uh, but Jesus came through that wall, and he said to me, I'm setting you into the realm of the miraculous. See, there are certain realms of the kingdom of God that are protected by principalities, powers, spiritual rulers, and people and spirits that have dominion over certain areas. That comes into play in Matthew, Mark, the 10th chapter, where it says that Jesus said, you can have a hundredfold in this world and in the world to come, but realize you'll never get it without persecutions because there are spirits that protect or govern the activity of people's faith in the area of prosperity. See, the church needs money, but if the world controls it, it'll control much of what the church can do. Amen? People say, well, the gospel is free. You're absolutely right. But the car you drive in and the airplane you take takes gas, and you got to pay for the gas. Amen? And so these spiritual powers in the area of finances will persecute you. They'll wear you out. They'll wear you down. They'll cause needs to come up where there weren't any needs. And do all kinds of stuff to wear you down so that you will relinquish your pursuit of the hundredfold. Now, Jesus didn't lie, but he told you the truth. We just didn't hear the whole truth. And so, when I'm fasting, I come out of it and Jesus tells me I'm setting you into the realm of miracles. So, immediately, I understand what Jesus is saying. So, I hadn't preached out of the church for 18 months. I'd canceled all my meetings and so forth. And then, at that time, I knew that it was time for me to start preaching. And I went to a church... And uh, I preached to that church, and I said, God is bringing you out of this denomination. Six months later, that man leaves the denomination, builds a church, and has a great thriving church over around Bucyrus, and God blessed him and increased his whole congregation. The next thing I did, I went to the Philippines. I'd never been to the Philippines. 
but I did like the food at the Philippines. I did like the people. And I went there and I rented this field that would hold 50,000 people. Opening night, I had 2,000. That means it looks like a Bible study. I preached that night 20 minutes. And then I gave, I prayed for the sick. I always pray for the sick before I give an altar call. And I prayed for the sick. And they started coming. Hundreds of them. I mean, I had a line like 45 minutes long. The blind, the deaf, people carried on cots, jumped up off the cots, and they got healed. That, it was so wonderful. The, the next night it got so radical, they almost pushed me off the edge of the platform trying to get up to give their testimony. But this night, at the end of the testimony, I gave an altar call. And out of that 2,000 people, Every hand went up. When I saw it, I started weeping like a baby. And the Lord spoke to me on the edge of that platform. He said, son, you and I can do this any place in the world. And I've taken God at his word. And I've been to more, more places that people didn't want to go to more places that people have failed, more places that people didn't think would be productive, and I've had great success. Hundreds of thousands come out, get saved, get healed, get ministered to. I've been brought into churches where the president has flew in just to meet me. Isn't that a kick in the head? Yeah. When I was in Uganda doing once a month all over the nation of Uganda, at some, somebody else was paying for it, Eric and I would go. At the end of that, the president flew into a church because I was going to be there, and he wanted to meet me. Many times we're taken, and we meet dignitaries. We're picked up by princes. We're picked up by diplomats, and God gives us great, great honor. And that is only by God. If you know me, you know it's got to be God. And anyway, after that, I started ministering and going. In fact, before I hired Eric, I would just go to a country, and I would end up at the airport. I didn't even know who was coming. I didn't have a name, didn't have a picture, didn't have nothing. So I'd just stay there and outweighed everybody. Pretty soon somebody would come. They say, Are you Peter Dosak? I said, Y'all, that's me, buddy. I'd get in and I'd go with them. I've stayed in every type of habitation and room that you can imagine. And I went with them and then. God told me one day on my birthday, he said, I'm going to give you a birthday present. I said, oh, man, good deal. And uh, 
He said, I want to give you Eric Smith. He said, I met him. I don't want him. <laughs> Not really. So I said, God, he's working for Steve Hill. If you don't know Steve Hill, he was the great evangelist for uh, three and a half years at uh, Pensacola, Florida, and just really helped change different parts of our nation. He worked for Brother Shambach. And if you didn't know Brother Shambach, that's one of the great losses of you. And Brother Shambach, he worked for Brother Shambach, and he worked for Steve Hill, taking the gospel all over the world. And I said, God, he's not going to come to work for me. So he said, well, I'm giving him to you. So I came out, and I told Randy. I said, Randy, call Eric Smith and tell him God wants him to come to work for me, and he gave him to me as a a birthday present. Randy said, right. I said, no. Call him. I said, I'm telling you. So Eric Smith came to work for me. I don't know how many, how many years that been, Eric. 20 years ago. Eric came for me. Eric came. He took a third of his salary to come to work for me, a third. Eric relinquished about $180,000 a year to come to work for me. And then after Eric worked for me a little while, Reinhard Bonnke called him. He said, Eric, come on down and talk to me. Eric went down and talked to him. And uh, in the middle of that talk, Reinhard Bonnke said, why don't you come to work for me? And he offered him like $263,000 a year plus $200 per diem a day. That means for food, doing whatever you want to do, $200 a day. Well, Eric said, no. He said, I can't. I work for Pastor Peter Dosey. And I told Eric, I said, as a pastor, I think it's a great opportunity. As an employee, I think it sucks. But thank God that God did not do that. And Eric has helped us and our church to take the gospel around the world. Around the world. And I could never thank him enough for the sacrifices that he has made. And I think after 19 years, I did just give him a raise. Well, really, I didn't give it to him. He negotiated it himself and uh, gave everybody a raise, counting him. I noticed mine didn't go up, but anyway. So Eric worked 19 years without one dime a raise. Well, why are you like that? I don't know. But thank God that God brought people like him. People like Kylan Boozer, people like Tim Lamaster, 
David Hewitt, Andrew and Ashley. God brought us people like that. But that all came out of a life of fasting. You thought I forgot my subject, didn't you? And I have been immensely blessed because of those types of breakthroughs. But God still wants to use people and God still wants you and I to have breakthroughs that nobody could arrange. And in Isaiah, the 58th chapter, and in verse 6, it says, is not this the fast that I have chosen? In other words, this is a God-ordained fast. It is defined by God, and it tells us what will happen. So as we look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, what we can do is break these scriptures open and discover how people got breakthroughs, got free, got broke free from addictions and bondages and so forth, and how they recovered their families, their wealth, their health, and so that we can look at the old and the new, and we can bring it together, and we can see what we are supposed to do with fasting. And it says, is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose? Now watch what it says. This is a fast that I have chosen, and this is what I've chosen it to do, to loose the bands of wickedness. People have wickedness. Sometimes wickedness is interwoven in deep in our being, and it's hid in the heart of people. David said, God cleanse me from all hidden sins. God, if there is any iniquity in me, God, find it. And sometimes these hooks or strongholds of wickedness constantly abort righteousness and holiness. There can be lots of things that will induce it. It may be the lust of other things. It may be the lust of women. But these wickednesses get on the inside of us. And sometimes they're more or deeper rooted than what just our faith can get us free from. But God has given us a way to use faith to break free that you and I can live holy lives in our minds, in our spirits, in our lifestyles, in our workplaces, and nothing could ever abort us or break that shield of righteousness. And sometimes we have to use things that are bigger or that we are not aware of or that we're not accustomed to, like fasting. But God shows it to us so that we can use it. Amen? And then it says this, to undo the heavy burdens, heavy burdens. Have you ever met people that are weighted down by problems? You know, sometimes I talk to people and I think, 
you know the old song, if there, if it, what is that song? Uh, if there was no bad luck, I'd have no luck at all, or, or something like that. Anyway, there are people that live under stressful burdens. It seems like their whole life is a problem. It's because they don't deal with them, they keep sweeping them under the rug. Their children get accustomed to it. Pretty soon, familiar spirits are connected to their generations. You can't keep doing something all the time and not expect spirits not to use that for a place of abiding. Amen. All right. And then the uh, third thing that it says to do, and it lets the oppressed go free. This has to do with deep-seated generational illnesses. Illnesses. The oppressed means the work of the enemy. We know that Jesus came and healed all those that were oppressed of the enemy. Have you ever realized that right now they are now taking blood tests and doing a genealogy discoveries, and they're telling you what you're going to be sick with? You didn't know that. Oh, well, they are. And what's going to happen is insurance companies are not going to insure you for what they know you're going to have. And they do that by following your mother and father, your grandfather and so forth pattern. Well, these things get rooted in us. We have never known that. But now we understand that, you know what, there are certain genetic things that happen at birth that set us up to be ruled by the devil and to live short life. What is it now that they, uh, they test women and uh, they find it if they have cancer cells? They project that they're going to have cancer sometime in their life. So now they're giving them what? Vaccines or shots to turn that around. Well, I, I don't know that I would put all my pennies in that bag, but I'm telling you that they have that ability. And so, we can get set free of these things. Amen? There's no sickness greater than God. And then it says, in verse uh, 6, it says, undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that you break every, every, every yoke. Yoke. You know, you and I are very addictive people. If you start eating popcorn three nights in a row, you're going to be eating popcorn just about every night that you can remember. You start stopping at a donut shop on the way to work. Oh, I'll just do that this once. I'll meet you there tomorrow. Yes. These things are true. Addicted to coffee and then addicted to uh, 
cappuccinos, uh, you know, the hillbilly kind, you know, that puts 12 pounds on you in a month. Though those things are addictive natures that become yokes on men's lives. We get addicted to television, to television programs. We get addicted to certain people. Have you ever heard that, you know, a woman married to an alcoholic could divorce an alcoholic and marry another one? It's like we're addicted to certain treatment. We need to break ourselves free of that. Amen? Hallelujah. Like Phyllis, she's always addicted to standing in the shadow of a good-looking man. <laughs> now, I would tell you that was me, but since I'm not that tall, you know that she couldn't, she'd have to stoop in my shadow. So I know she'd run around with somebody taller than I am. Sure, Phyllis. Hallelujah. We must remember that there are different ways to use our faith. And you and I must pursue the way that God tells us to pursue things in order to be victorious. Don't try to use one way of faith when that's not what God gave it to you for. Use it the way that God wants you to so that you can overcome, you can pursue, you can overtake, and you can see it all come back to you. And so, we as Christians are commanded to fast, and we are going to fast. But we have to engage that type of faith. If we don't, it will just lie there. We will have the answer, but we'll never see it. So let's use our faith. Start where you're at. If you've never fasted a full day, then fast a half a day. Then start enlarging it. Start exercising your faith. Do it once a week. Do it twice a week. Whatever it might be, but if you don't do anything, you'll be bound with the bondages that you're bound by now. So we're going to discover this uh, maybe two or three weeks. But either way, you're going to learn how to fast. And you're going to assault the kingdom of darkness. You're going to bring out the captives. You're going to break through into new dimensions of anointing and power. You're going to see victories. You're going to see doors open, doors close. You're going to see the blessing of God come upon you because only fasting can do certain things. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. I wouldn't ever want to perceive that everybody was ready to go to heaven. That's why I want to give you an opportunity today to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your sins are still separating you from God. Now, it's not God's desire that that happened. 
His desire is what you've seen take place on the cross. That Jesus Christ came, he hung on a cross, he shed his blood for the washing away of your sins, and on the third, after he died for your sins, on the third day, after being put in a tomb, he was raised from the dead to declare that God will forgive you. Now, you can stay separated from God, but in the end, the only life it will destroy is yours. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I'm so happy that one day I got to hear somebody ask me, would you like to receive Jesus as your personal Savior? That day changed my life as it's here to change your life. Christianity is not hard. You just have to keep at it. It's not a requirement to be perfect. It's just a requirement to be faithful. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, Maybe you once knew God and you just drifted away. Maybe one of the cords in your life got broken. But if you're here today and you're not ready to meet God, I can tell you emphatically that his coming is on the horizons of the time of man. And it will come quickly, millions, will be filled with fear and agony, defeat, facing an eternal hell. But thank God that the gospel is going out and that opportunity is being given. Now, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'd like to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. If that's you, I want you to simply lift your hand up in the air and say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus Christ. I want to have eternal life. I want sin removed between me and God. I want things right. I want eternal life. Is there anybody? Let me know if somebody's got their hand up. here come on if that's you got your hand raised up all right let's everybody pray this prayer with me say Heavenly Father I believe that Jesus is your only begotten son and I believe that he died for my sins and on the third day God you by your faith raised him from the dead I now by faith declare that he is Lord of my life as he has died for me I will now live for him in Jesus name 
amen and amen. Praise God. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to be right up here. Would you please come up and tell me that you received Christ as your personal Savior? Praise the Lord. God is a good God. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Father, I pronounce blessing upon every family that is here. Increase upon every business, God. Wisdom, God, in places of darkness. And God, a sure word in the time that people are facing. God, give them a word that will transform their season. God, lead them and guide them. Bring every prodigal child home. And God, strengthen their faith, enlarge their blessing, God, and encourage them in the way of the Lord. And God, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Hallelujah.